Well, I don't know about you, but my body doesn't know what time it is yet. Just have this sense that I've been cheated out of something called sleep last night. Um, hopefully some folks that maybe you're looking around going, gosh, I, you know, I thought they were going to be here this morning. We'll let them know you were here in the next service when they come in at a really odd time at about 10 o'clock. And uh, we'll, we'll, we'll welcome them in then. Uh, it's great to see you. Um, the song that we just finished uh, really is the heartbeat of where we're going to be today. We're going to step out of the book of Acts uh, for a little bit. It's going gonna, it's gonna to feel a little bit like Acts at the end of this message, uh, but we're going to step out just for a little while into um, Ezekiel 37. Ezekiel 37. Uh, last week, one of the great things that we heard was this call from heaven that, um, that really called out to those, these apostles um, to specifically go and t- teach about, go talk about, go preach about this life. And that life that they were supposed to go talk about is, is the life of Jesus, but it's not just Jesus living in his own body, but it's, it's now because it's the book of Acts. It's Jesus living in them. It's the Holy Spirit indwelling believers and resting not just on them, but in them and leading in, in the most miraculous ways, um, allowing them really to walk in the footsteps and speak the words and, and do the miracles of Jesus. And, and it, it was greater from the perspective of it was happening more often and it was multiplied out in, in more people, not just in one person that was living on this planet. As we look at this idea of talking about life, we're going we're to talk about um, one aspect of life, and that aspect of life is this thing that we all do uh, really without um, thinking about it, which is breathing in and out. And In other words, we take in and we exhale our breath. Now, I don't know how... Um, you feel about breath, um, but since we've been wearing masks, um, breath has become a whole new challenge, hasn't it? Sometimes you go eat lunch. Now you're thinking about where you're going to eat lunch because if I've got to wear a mask for the second half of my day, I'm, recycle- I'm recycling some, some smelly air, right? Have you, you, you kind of noticed that? There's a few of you that just nod your heads automatically and everybody around you just realizes, yep, after 12 o'clock, your breath is not fresh anymore. Um, I, I've always been somebody who my my... Um, my personal space alarm goes off if I'm having a conversation. If I'm so close that I can feel someone's breath, that's my brain going, one of the two of us have got to back up. I don't know if you've ever been in that kind of situation. There's, only, there's, there's just a small list of people um, that I can engage in conversation with and feel their breath, and it'd be okay. Um, and if you want to test it and see if you're one of those people, you're more than welcome to. I just can't promise you that I'm not going to hurt your feelings. Because uh, while you're talking to me like this and I'm talking back to you like this, it's... It's it just maybe what we have to do for a little bit. Uh, we are going to be in this book of um, in this book of Ezekiel in chapter thirty-seven, um, and and we're going to see what the breath of God does um, for us as believers. What it did for um, this vision that He gave Ezekiel, this prophet, and we're also going to hear it for um, why we need to think so intently about um, really just the fact that we have life in Christ um, when when God created Adam and Eve, that breath that he breathed into them to give them life. They had form, they had bodies, they had organization in, in the physical part of them, but they didn't have life. And, and our goal as believers, hopefully, more and more every day becomes, we don't just want to have organization or a look to us, we want to have the life that God wants to give us. And that's uniquely different than just looking like we have things together. So we're going we're gonna to see, uh, really explore out of God's word what, um, what, what he walks through. Now, um, it's, it's, almost, it's really tough to jump into Ezekiel 37 and just know nothing about what's happening here. 
So I want to encourage you, you know, really go back and take a look at um, what's, what's happening in the, in the life of this prophet, um, especially as God is working in the nation of Israel and he's speaking to him. Generally, just as a simple kind of mind frame, um, the, the Babylonian Empire has taken over and they have just wrecked everything. And they've taken, especially, they started with some of the most influential people and the youngest, brightest people, and they took them back basically to, to remap the mental, uh, the mental um, focus of a generation so that their minds will work totally differently um, in, in generations to come. And it's a pretty effective strategy when it comes to just a kingdom taking over another nation. Um, we've seen it in, in our own lifetime. We, you see evidence of it um, as, as you look around. Ezekiel is in Babylon at this point, and he, everything that was normal for him, um, what faith looked like, what worship looked like, has radically changed. But that didn't mean that God had disappeared. It didn't mean that God wasn't there. He wasn't present. He wasn't speaking. In fact, he speaks directly to Ezekiel in this. And, and, and God, God uh, you got to appreciate this guy's life. Um, God threw some interesting things this way. Um, as, as a sign of his seriousness over sin and kind of something that he, he called Ezekiel to do, um, Ezekiel was asked by God to lay on his sides for a total of about 430 days. And, and just hearing that story, it's like, that's an interesting way to prove your point, God. Um, but, but when you really look at that, it's just, it's, in so many ways, God spoke through Ezekiel, and he, and he brought things to Ezekiel to really communicate such clear messages to his people. And I believe that that's what we'll see this morning. Um, we're going to start in verse 1. We're going to basically be from verses 1 to 14 this morning. I'll start reading here. The hand of the Lord was on me, and he brought me out by the Spirit. This is Ezekiel speaking. Um, and set me down in the middle of a valley, and it was full of bones. Now, anytime you see this phrase or this idea of the hand of God in God's word, it speaks to his power and his provision. Um, it's about that God guides us and guards us. Um, it, it's, it's literally, um, if, if you've ever had small children, if, if you've ever raised kids, um, if you've ever worked with kids or taken care of them, um, you can tell kids a, a lot of things. Do they always listen? No, right? No. But especially when they're young and when you really need to guide them and guard them, a pretty simple, effective way that just kind of comes out of us by instinct is what do we do? We grab them by the hand, we put our hand on the shoulder, we put our hand on the back of their back and kind of mo move them where we need them to go. Um, I, I believe there's a lot of these things that really are just, it's, it's the image of God kind of working out in us to, to, to remind us that we can understand God and how he works with us in, in some really simple ways. Verse 2 says, He led me all around them. That's the bones. There were a great many of them on the surface of the valley, and they were dry. Um, Ezekiel is trying to put in terms really what he saw because God awakens Ezekiel. He brings him, he opens his eyes, he directs his focus into specifically a place that's Probably the place referenced in chapter 3 in this book of Ezekiel, but, but it is a valley. And so really, honestly, as, as, a, as an intro to this message, you can kind of already just say, all right, I'm going to hear these words thinking from a valley mindset. You know what a valley mindset is? Um, it's, it's when things aren't what they used to be. Uh, it's, it's when 
we don't, we don't want things necessarily to be the way they are. We would love them to be better. If you've ever experienced a season like that in your life, you can hear these words out of a valley mindset. The great thing is, in valley moments, God always speaks. He always speaks. And that's what he does to Ezekiel. But Ezekiel takes notice of, what, what am I seeing? What's the evidence of what, 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 I'm, what I'm witnessing here? It's these bleached white bones. Bones that just, that they had no grave, they were laying out on the ground, and it wasn't just that someone had died and begun decaying, but everything had deteriorated off, and it was just old, sun-dried, bleached, no, nothing in them bones laying out in this field. Just a valley full of them. As God continues to speak, because he's, he's, he's bringing him to show him something, to really give him a revelation, and, and it, it says this, um, God said, then he said, go out and stand. I'm sorry, I, I, I jumped ahead. I, there, there's there's um, one other verse that I wanted to cover before this. Um, in, in, in verse 2, as, as God speaks, we, we start to think about what, is it, what does it feel like, what does it seem like when, when I'm in some kind of valley moment. Um, I, I want to I share with you the words of Elijah um, this is out of 1 Kings chapter 19 because um, for many of us, when we are going through a difficult time, um, we, we really have a, a difficulty hearing God speak or we, we, have a, we have a tough time seeing what he's up to. Now, for some of us, that frustrates us. Maybe, maybe sometimes we're tempted to think that we just don't hear like others hear or, or maybe we're just missing something, and, and that's not the case at all. I want to read you the words of of Elijah out of uh, 1 Kings chapter 19, verses 11 and 12. Then he said, Go out and stand on the mountain in the Lord's presence. At that moment, the Lord passed by. A great and mighty wind was tearing at the mountains and was shattering cliffs before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. So what, is, what does Elijah see? A wind that is so strong that it is shattering rocks. And as he witnessed this, Surely just the fear came over him or just the respect of, holy cow, what is going on? But notice, God wasn't in that wind. God wasn't doing that. He wasn't speaking through that. It says, after the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. You, you ever feel shaken up by something? Okay, God, this, this, this clearly must be you speaking. But then it says for a second, hang on a second, but, but in this situation, it, it wasn't the Lord speaking through the earthquake. Verse 12, after... The earthquake, there was a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, there was a voice, a soft whisper. That's where the Lord was. When, when, when you're in valley moments in life, when everything seems like it's just absolutely wrecking around you, it, the, our tendency is, is we're trying to pick out these major catastrophic events and saying, okay, God, like we're wrestling. God, what, like, why, like, why are you doing this? What, what is happening? Why would you do this? And, and we're just we're, we're going after him with this huge amount of confusion. And, and here's the great thing. I'm not here to tell you this morning that God isn't orchestrating one of those or he's not speaking to you through one of those. But, but if he's speaking, what's the best way to make sure that we hear him is, is soften our reactions to some of these drastic circumstances and listen for his voice. His voice often doesn't scream at us. It's soft. It's easy to hear because it comes from love even when it's tough words. It's consistent. And, and, and I'll give you an example. Um, wherever the, our camera guys, wherever you are right now, if somebody's going to kind of hold this frame 
um, on where it's at. So this will kind of help us um, that are here. It'll help us that are virtually. Um, but, but this is the camera that's on me right now. Now, if, if I step off camera, and if you're watching this virtually at home, you, you can hear my voice right now, but you don't see me. If, if you're here, if you just chose to focus on this screen, if this, was, if this screen kind of represented the, these, these crazy circumstances of life, many times we look at this and it just feels empty because we, we're just left with more questions than we have answers. So how do we know that God is there? You hear the voice. If you're watching at home or if you're just watching this screen right now, you know, I mean, I, I get if you're here, you see me right here, but, but, but if you're watching at home, you know that I'm still in this room because you hear my voice. That's so much of what's happening here. This is so much of, of the truth that God wants to express to us. We have to, we have to find ways to focus and hear his voice. Now, I mean, reading the word of God through prayer, talking to other believers who are Christ-minded, these are great ways to begin to hear the voice of God. Because if we just chase drastic circumstances, I don't know about you, but that's when I tend to struggle longer hearing what he's actually saying or, or knowing what he's doing than when I really hear clearly, okay, God, this is what you say. So let me take your word and your truth and then put it over top of these things I'm seeing to better understand. Does that make sense? Hopefully, a little bit. Okay. Um, verse 3 in, in this chapter, that God has brought um, Ezekiel to this place. Now he's going to ask him a question. Here's that voice coming to Ezekiel. He's seen all these bones. He's seen the evidence. Now here comes the voice. Then he said to me, Son of man, can these bones live? Now, this is interesting because um, I, 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 I want God not, I don't want God to ask me a lot of questions. I don't know about you, but um, I, I did okay in school with tests. I, I, God, you, you know everything. You don't need to ask me. I, I assume you know. But what does a question like this do to Ezekiel? It invites him in. We can't really engage with the Lord in a real tangible way in our lives if questions don't come up. We're never meant to fear questions because many times questions are the invitation that we receive from the Lord to start responding because God is, is very much interested in a conversation. Not that he needs it because God already knew what he was going to do. He doesn't need our conversation, but he knows that we do. He knows that we do. So he asked him, can these bones live? Now, I would say no if I'm Ezekiel. If I'm just looking at the evidence, I would say no. But here's Ezekiel's response. I replied, Lord God, only you know. That's a pretty solid answer, right? That's a, that's, I mean, that, that would pass the test. That would get the gold star um, if he gave that right directly to the Lord. Lord God, only you know. Now, I, I, we, I know we can all understand the words that he answered, but I want to make sure that we understand them in the best context that we can answer them, okay? So here's how he addressed God, because if, you, if, you, if we could all read Hebrew, it wouldn't be, Lord God, you know. It would be, God, Lord, you know. Now, God in this context is the word Elohim. It's the same word for God in creation. In the book of Genesis, in the first couple of chapters, when it talks about God um, saying, let there be light, when he's creating something out of nothing, that's them saying Elohim. So here he grabs onto that because, um, if you've, and you've probably heard this, um, the, the, the word that God used for himself was Yahweh, and they would actually take the vowels out of that word and just write it with consonants. That's, that's 
representatively, that's how they would have righted it from our understanding. Because they, they rarely would even say that word. Um, if, if you said that word, you had to be, you had to be bathed before. If you were going to write the word, you had to take a, 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 a ritual bath of cleansing and be given a brand new pen that had never been written with just to write the word Yahweh. Okay? I mean, that's, that's the reverence. And it's almost this, it's this so reverent term that they would fear saying it. But Elohim was a word that, that took in the creative, all-powerful God, but one that we know and we can say and we can talk to and address. That's the kind of relationship that we start to see that Elijah has that God's calling him into. But he doesn't just say Elohim. He says Elohim Adonai. Adonai means Lord. That means that it wasn't just this God he knew about, but it was a God that was active in his life. He was Lord to him. There's a unique difference between us really talking about God and him being Lord of our life. Lord of our life means, it doesn't mean that it, we, we, we leave our brain at the door. It means that our brain is constantly, as much as we can have it, engaged with, Lord, what are you saying to me? What are you teaching me? How can I learn? How can I grow in you? How can I live more like Jesus? The willingness to set aside what I think or want for what his truth may really be purposed for. That's lordship. And Elijah here, that, that's how he answers. He said, the, the all-powerful creative God that I can know that is the Lord of my life. So in Elijah's answer, he, he basically says, God, if, if, yeah, I mean, if these bones need to live, you can make it happen. And if you want me to be a part of it, Lord, I'm here. That's a pretty solid response for the circumstances of life. If we can learn to respond that way, God that can create anything that's all-powerful, yes, you can do this. And whatever my part in it is, Lord, lead me. Now, as he continues, um, after, after he responds, God now gives him instruction for an opportunity. Verse 4, he said to me, prophesy concerning these bones and say to them, dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. This is what the Lord God says to these bones. I will cause breath to enter you and you will live. I will put tendons on you and make flesh grow on you and cover you with skin. I will put breath in you so that you come to life. Then you will know that I am the Lord. It's amazing. Here's a, here's a valley of dry bones, and God says, preach to them. You ever had somebody that might as well have been a pile of dry bones when you're trying to speak some truth into their life? Like you're just trying to give them wisdom, and it's like, I'm, I'm preaching to dead. I'm preaching to just absolute inability to take in the information of what I'm saying. I'm, I'm, I'm just talking. I'm talking, but it's just nobody's listening. Now, a couple of people are pointing at each other. You're looking at each other. I mean, that's, that's fine. I mean, just, this can get personal, all right? Now, in, in these moments, this is what I love. This, there's so many things in this passage I love. Think about this. God is telling Elijah to, to prophesy over these bones and, and in turn start to speak directly to them. Before they could even understand the words of God, God was already still talking about them, right? Before you or I are, were ever at the place we were, when, when we didn't know God, God was already talking about us. In his word over centuries on this planet, he was already doing things that were oriented, toward, oriented towards his great love for you and me. 
before I even wake up in the morning, before I even want to set aside my own pride to listen to him, he's already speaking. But it's interesting. When he talks about what he's going to do, God doesn't jump all the way to the end, right? Because isn't that kind of how we prefer God to work? Lord, if you would just take care of fill in the blank. God starts to go through all these things of, I'm going to put tendons on you. I'm going to put flesh on you. I'm, I'm going to cover you. With, I'm, I'm going to do all these things to build you together, and I'm going to breathe life into you. God doesn't just redeem us. He restores us. And he does this constantly in our lives. When, when I was, when I was um, a, a month before I got married, um, I, I was playing in a pickup basketball game, and I have not always been in what I would call great control of my mouth. Um, in fact, I wouldn't even say sometimes I, I wasn't even in decent control of my mouth. And, and I was playing with a group of guys, and, and one in particular, that I knew exactly what to say to him to make him as frustrated as he could be. And I thought it was hilarious. You'd ever see somebody that gets so frustrated and you can't help but laugh because you kind of find it funny. I mean, like, I'm not saying it's a Jesus thing to do, but, but you kind of you, you find it funny a little bit. Well, well, I'm, I'm amusing myself in this moment as we're playing. Well, backfired on me a little bit. Um, I go up, I get a rebound, and I'm getting ready to kind of lean in to try to put back a little layup under the basket. And in a fit of rage and anger, he drives his knee into the side of my knee. And my, my leg does a little, little L-shaped thing. And uh, ended up going, find out, you know, I didn't, I didn't have any more in ACL because it ripped from both ends and all this stuff went on. And, and I learned at that moment when I saw my MRIs and I went through surgery and I did all this stuff, I learned all what it took to bring a few bones together and become this thing we just call a knee. Every tendon, every muscle, Every bit of, like, every, I learned just how complicated this one joint is. And I think you and I would both say that we would, we would describe our lives and the situations of our lives at times as complicated. God isn't doing this, just this blanket, I want you to feel better work. He's saying, when I, when I, if I'm going to breathe life into you, then I certainly love you enough to help you be put together well. That doesn't mean that, that we'll have the greatest image from the world's definition. But it speaks volume spiritually, emotionally, mentally, relationally. That is how God wants to work in each one of our lives. Verse 7, so I prophesied as I had been commanded. Now, I want you to, if, if you have some, if you ever take notes, um, you, you can underline that a little bit um, uh, in the words, as I have been commanded. And, and, and you'll, you'll be able to decide for yourself in a few minutes, did I? Did he, in fact, do it the way he was commanded? So I prophesied as I had been commanded. While I was prophesying, there was a noise, a rattling sound, and the bones came together, bone to bone. As I looked, tendons appeared on them, flesh grew, skin covered them, but there was no breath in them. He said to me, this is God saying to Elijah, he said to me, Prophesy to the breath. Prophesy, son of man. Say to it, this is what the Lord God says. Breath come from the four winds. Breathe into these slain so that they may live. So I prophesied 
as he commanded me, the breath entered them, and they came to life and stood on their feet. If you think about how, how, did, how, did, how did the message begin? When, when Ezekiel began to talk about what was going to happen, he began to tell these bones what was going to happen. He started to see it. He started to see the steps of promise start to happen. Things started looking good as tendons started forming. Skin came on these bones. Everything started to have order. But, but did he prophesy at this point as he was commanded? What do you think? Yes or no? Yes? To a point. To a point, I think he did. But, but what did God have to do? He had to come back and say, no, 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 prophesy about the breath. See, Ezekiel started seeing growth. He started seeing something happen. And, and many times, in, in very practical ways, when things are not good, they start to get better. Even as believers, what do we start doing? We fall in love with the signs of, of improvement, and then we kick it just down into cruise control a little bit and get caught watching. When really... All that organization, all that put-togetherness was nothing without what? The breath. The Spirit of God in them. The, 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 really, the power of God, knowing that they were alive in Him. I'll give you an example. Um, it, have, you ever, have, you ever done, um, have you ever done marriage counseling? Because there was a problem. Or, or, or you went through a class or something like that. And, and it was one session, two session, but then, man, think, you know, okay, well, there's some good signs. And, and then the counseling stopped because we get caught looking because we see good, but we, we forget that God's work isn't always complete at that moment. Maybe you were convicted over a specific sin. You saw, you saw some things getting better. You saw your heart kind of tender to that. And you said, okay, I, I, I've got this under control now. Kind of like we, we take it back a little bit. We see what God does, and then we kind of trick ourselves into, okay, I could probably take control now. Only that God's work was not finished enough yet. We have to be careful that we don't get fooled by organization. We don't get fooled by the look that everything's kind of coming together. Because that tricks us. Satan wants that to trick us to then disconnect just before, really, our life in Jesus, Jesus in us, live completely out, really starts to take hold. Verse 11 says, then he said to me, son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel. It's, it's, an, it's an army. And interestingly, I, I, I find it almost humorous that it's an army. Because they had just been defeated by an army. And I don't think it's any accident that what God builds up and, and, and brings to life in front of Ezekiel is. Hey, if this world is just about armies, who's stronger? That's easy. I can make that happen out of dead bones. He shows that, that kind of power to Ezekiel. But it's not all about whose army is the strongest. He said, then he said to me, son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel. Look how they say our bones are dried up and hope has perished. We are cut off. He says, listen, if this was just about military wins, if this is just about wins according to the world, God's like, man, that's easy for me. He said, but, but here's where God's heart was broken. He said, my people... My people that I've called by my name, the people that I love and I, and I guide and I protect and I guard so well. 
It's those people who, who, are, who are saying, hey, listen, we're, we're basically just dead. And God's looking at them going, yes, you are. But you think you're dead by the world's definition. He said, but you're dead in sin. You doubt me so much and, and you've walked so far away from me in, in worshiping other gods. And, and you've gone through this path that, that you don't even realize that all this is to bring you back to me. See, many times in a church context, we hear this. You ever heard the word revival? You've heard the word revival, right? You know, revival means to bring back what once was al- what once was made alive that then died and is now being brought back to life. I always find it funny that people in, in a church context that, that really claim, man, that we are just fired up for God. We want revival for us. I'm like, hang on a second, are you dead? Because if you're already alive, then revival's already happened, and, and that's just called a church service, right? Like it's re- Revival really is the anticipation of what's dead is going to become back alive again because it was alive once. Vival means that you have brought to life just simply in one motion what once was dead is now alive. And, and we're going to read what God says here about his people. And, and, and notice, it's going to sound very similar in certain ways for people that were spiritually lost that get saved or people that have gotten saved out of their lostness, who walked away from God, who have fallen into sin, uh, when, when we walk in those seasons, that, that get to be brought back to life again, really alive in Christ. There's some strong similarities here. This is what God's response is to the people claiming that they are dead because they've been neglected. Um, he says, therefore prophesy and say to them, this is what the Lord God says. I'm going to open your graves. Number one, open your graves. Um, God has to do something to bring us out of the environments that we are lost in. Now, when someone isn't saved yet, then, then that is opening up the grave of sin that is holding them down. He, he shows them clearly that in Jesus, he defeated that sin debt that, that was reigning over them that was holding them in. But what happens when we have, we, we've, we've gotten saved, but then our life in some spiritual ways has started to decay and to die? Same thing, he's got to open up some graves. There are things that are really captivating our hearts, and God has to open those, and he has to get into those areas. Remember, God says, he says, I knock at the door, I knock, but I, but I don't knock the door down, okay? God, want, God needs to get into some of these areas where we're really closed off, and, and we're really dying in them. He has to open these areas up. If you've ever seen somebody dig in the ground, it's a messy process. You don't dig in the ground clean. God has no problem in the messiness of what he has to dig through in our lives to open up what needs to be opened up so life can happen and life can take place. So he said, I'm going to open up your graves and bring you up from them. Um, there is a movement in our lives when God, when God really brings us to life, when, when, whether that's salvation or whether that's revival because there's been a part of us that has really started to decay spiritually. When, when God opens up those graves, he doesn't just open them up to go, hey, everybody, look at this. This is an awful person. He opens up those graves to bring us out of them. He doesn't want us to remain victimized by sin and under the control of sin. He doesn't want those things to rein in and hold us down. So he brings us up out of them. He says, and then he just calls them, my people. Isn't that great? Just God just drops encouragement in the right place. He says, listen, yeah, you may not be where you need to be to really be alive for me, but, but, but I'll do the messy work, and then I'll start to bring you up. Why? Not because I'm just God, because you're my people. You're, you're mine. And maybe this morning you just need to be reminded of you belong to Jesus if you know that you've given your life and your heart to him. You know you're saved. You belong to him. 
regardless of how we've lived for him, you belong to him. So he is speaking. He is working. He says, and I will lead you into the land of Israel. I will Again, where does that leading come for us that are saved? Because God's spirit is inside of us. What is it, what is it, uh, where does it come from for someone who's lost and is getting saved? I will lead you into the house of Israel. You will know I am the Lord, my people, when I open your graves and bring you up from them. I will put my spirit in you. That's how God leads us. Doesn't it sound like the book of Acts? All of a sudden, Peter, who had been a professional screw-up, starts to speak up and, and speak wisely the gospel and to share it with passion. Is, is, it, is it any surprise that it happens, some of, the, some of his tendencies start to be corrected. He starts to get out of the grave of pride and living faithfully outside of it. Why? Because he's got the Spirit of God in him, and that's what's leading him. He's not making all his decisions based on his best breakdown of the information. It says, and you will live, and I will settle you in your own land. God will will do this kind of work in your life and in mine because he has a place that he wants for us. That means there, there 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 is a job that he has for us, a vocation, a place to go in and get a paycheck from to be on mission for him. There's a neighborhood that he wants us to live in to be the gospel around those people. There's a church that he wants us to belong to. There are those places, and God said, I'll settle you there. That means it may not feel like home immediately, but he'll help you with that. He'll help me with that. Then you will know that I am the Lord. I have spoken, and I will do it. This is the declaration of the Lord. Do you... You ever heard the statement um, that you can, um, well, let me not quote that. Um, Do you ever realize looking back in your life, you can see better sometimes looking back than you could looking just ahead? Does that make sense? You can look back at circumstances and go, oh, okay, I got it. Lord, I, I see what you were doing. God, God owns up to, at this point, Yes, that, that's a reality for us. Yeah, I, I know that for us, we would love to know, God, what are you doing right now ahead of me? You show me everything I need to know about this job, this relationship, this money crisis, this every, whatever's going on. Like, show me out in front of me so I can see it and walk around it. But I think God knows that if we just could really see it through his eyes, then we would try to, we would try to then go back and make the decisions with our mind. God acknowledges, yes, there will be times where you will look back and you will go, wow, Lord, yes, I see how great you are. I see all that you are doing. That's not meant to frustrate us. That's meant to give us this thing called a story. Because what are stories for? They're to share. They're to tell. They do nothing if we keep them inside of us. Because I would think that if you're like me, most of us struggle more with God when as compared to, God, I believe you will. I think most of us, I mean, if you showed up at church, if, you, if you're at home and you, you've kind of got everything quiet enough to be able to listen to this service, you probably buy in more to, God, you will, than the average person. But that doesn't mean that we're not going to struggle with, but when, God, when. Because remember, Ezekiel's getting this vision. This vision is great. This is an awesome vision. 
But he's still in Babylonian captivity. He's still looking ahead. You, you, you know, in a practical way, for some of these things that are in here, this is Old Testament writing. You know when, if, if we look at it from a world history perspective, you know when some of these things were fulfilled? 1948. When Israel was declared a nation. Man, you, oh, whoa, I got to wait. Whoa, God, you mean I'm going to have to wait? I'm going to have to wait? And, and in my life, I've come to the place to where I, I, I get frustrated waiting. And I, I'm trying to change my language from waiting to trusting. Because that's simply what trusting is. It's, 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 it's moving forward with a promise of God when it hasn't necessarily all come to pass yet. There's a few takeaways that I, I, I want to bring out to you um, as, as we're looking at this message. And, and I know that um, there, uh, there's, I got like two times just the notes of just, I, I think there's some just um, an amazing, incredible things that really come out of this one 14-verse passage. But, but I, want, I want you to think about a few things. Um, n- number one, um, a valley all of a sudden can look like a victory. And just because it still looks like a valley to you right now, doesn't mean you're the worst person on this planet. It doesn't mean that God has a low opinion of you. But it does mean that God is going to give you an opportunity to hear him speak now and in the next few moments. Now, you may, be, you may look and you may see evidence like we did earlier with that screen. Man, this is, I'm, I'm not seeing it. Okay, but, but if you can kind of draw the focus off what you're not seeing or what I'm not seeing, if we can put our focus on, God, let me hear you. And sometimes, I don't know if you're like me, but sometimes when I'm in the middle of something, I I just have to physically close my eyes just to be able to pray more intentionally. God, I need to hear something right now. And then I need to quiet even myself. Because sometimes I'm creating half the noise that's going on. Number two, I I would tell you this. um, Please catch the image of disconnection in this passage. And, and I, would change, I would change the question a little bit, not, not to take away from God's word. God's question was, can these bones live? I believe God can bring to life anything that belongs to him. When people, you know, right now there's a big kind of movement going around with different things that really are, are hitting on this idea of, of, of really um, renovating and reviving churches that look like what people call quote-unquote dying. I believe if it's a body of Christ and they have the Holy Spirit inside of them, nothing is too dead. Because really, the, the building can go away, the meeting times can change, but, but are people living for God and telling other people about Jesus? I mean, that's a, simple, that's a simple setup. But consider this image. What are these bones? Just totally disconnected. No tendons, no skin, nothing connecting them together. And what does it look like? Death. I would encourage you, and, and whether you're here or you're watching from home, and, and, just, and, and even just tapping into a little bit of the heart of what Maggie shared with us a little bit earlier. I believe right now our enemy Satan would like nothing more than for us as believers just to stay disconnected because he, know, he knows that ultimately that just, that just breeds death. That breeds decay. Sin is a form of decay when it just eats at our life and, 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 and puts walls up between us and God. Disconnection can look a lot like death. Um, we, we have, um, 
on the first Monday of the month now, we're connecting just for a few minutes at lunch. And, and when we did this the last time, one of the gentlemen that connected on the call, we, just, we shared some requests, we prayed together, and, and he, just, he sent me a message after, and he just said, man, I, I needed that. He said, I needed to feel like I was connected to something and a part of something and a people that are praying and seeking God. He said, I needed to stop my day and just listen to that. It, it was amazing the life kind of comments that were coming from him just from one moment of connection. The final thing is, is I would, I would encourage us to make sure that we don't fall into a lull because we see good signs happening and we stick in to see God bring really the life that he wants to bring. And, and, and we follow um, the, the wisdom that he gave Ezekiel, which was preach the whole message. Now, I, I want to do one simple illustration as I close. Um, at these three cups up here uh, are representing something in the Old Testament, and this, this is here to represent um, the New Testament, some of the acts that we've been through recently, okay? Um, in, in God creating this world, um, if, if this represents God's first creative act, when, when his presence came and, and dwelt here, that was in the book of Genesis that we read. We read that he, he created and it was good, it was perfect, it was heaven on earth. We, don't need, we can't even fathom what it was like. And when he created two human beings, he formed them, he brought order, but there wasn't life without the breath of God. And when he breathed into humans, he didn't just, gave, he just, he didn't just give them life, but, but he established his own presence with them. If you've ever read through these accounts, God would walk with them and talk with them. Not, not the hymn that we sing, but it was an actual evening walk and conversation. I mean, isn't it crazy to think about just as you walk around your neighborhoods, what would that walk be like with Jesus literally right here beside us? And that's the kind of conversation he had. His presence dwelt with people directly with no sin present. But then, like many circumstances of life, what happens? People mess it up, right? I mean, you, you, may, you may have dealt with broken things before. But, but that doesn't even begin to measure the havoc that people can create. Sin came into this world. But God, dissatisfied with sin, wanting to be completely satisfied with us, he set out on a pursuit to, to call a people that he could speak to, that could worship him, and that all nations around the world could see and witness and come in and be a part of it. He brought his presence into a thing called the ark. Maybe you've seen some Indiana Jones movies or something. you got some kind of basis knowledge for this. God gave them instructions about an ark to build, a box that had these um, rings on the side that they would put staffs through. And inside the box, the contents, the, the, the ornamentation, everything about it was literally a physical representation of God saying, I am present with you. And there were only even certain people called that could even lift and carry it. Because to approach God, it was still the same standard. You had to be, you had to be clean. You had to be right. Not just an orderly life, but it had to be inside and out because he could see both places. And the joy, I mean, people, they, they celebrated. They would lift this ark as high as they could because it was the excitement and the anticipation that God is with us. But that's just a box, right? A box. God, God, God saw the people struggle, and he, his heart and his wisdom said, 
I want to create for you a place that I will dwell and that you can come in and fellowship and worship with me. He started to give instructions. It started in the heart of King David and it was finished. And his son Solomon, they built this thing called the temple, right? It wasn't the tabernacle. It wasn't the tent that just traveled around. It was a place that God was. And they would pray and they would worship and they would cry and they would celebrate. And certain people, clean and and living as well as they could, would even go on behalf of others to say, God, help us, forgive us, guide us. And people felt connected, but still a little bit distant. Because it was this God on the other side of the curtain that they couldn't get to. And as God's presence was real and as as it walked, more into people's life, and it was more of a regular part of people's lives, there was still this thing that was distant and a struggle between God and his people. So God sent Jesus, his presence, here on earth. And Jesus didn't have the same struggles as these people did. He lived a life that was perfect, and at the end of that life, representative for you and me, he gave his life for our sin. The presence of God. Not we voted somebody to go out and take our beating for us, but the very presence of God walking here on this earth, going all the way. And what did did Jesus do? He said, with this last breath, I commit my spirit to you, Lord. That breath that breathed life, into Adam and Eve was through the Son of God who we know as Jesus. The same breath that gave them life, he himself took it to be human, but then willingly gave it up to say, I'm doing this for everyone. But he didn't stay dead. We're getting ready to celebrate it on a day, but it's called Easter, and it's called the resurrection. And it frustrated the most powerful government of the world It boggled their minds. They couldn't explain it. They couldn't deny it. They couldn't defy it. They just tried to squish it out and punish it and beat it down into submission. But they couldn't because when this Jesus left this earth, he said, my very presence is not going back to heaven and staying up there. We're not going back through this cycle again. We're going to the next step. This was people's struggle. This is going to be your victory. And the presence of Jesus in the New Testament, you get what happens, right? Now it's inside of me. And it's in you. That's the whole story. And if we fool ourselves... If we fool ourselves into thinking that that's not life, that that's not what I need to be talking about, then here's what will happen. We'll give good advice to a lot of people. We'll get excited about the change we see. We'll see things start to become in order, and we'll fill volunteer spots, and we'll do different things. And the order will trick us. The organization will trick us. The, 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 the sign of what looks like connection will trick us and lull us in to being satisfied and in awe of how good it looks. I mean, you think about it. Ezekiel stared at dry bones, and then they became bodies laying there. It's amazing. 
It's phenomenal. It's a, it is a miracle in itself. But we have to be clear about what real life is. And that's the life that I live because Jesus is inside of me. That's how I can say to someone, not, hey, here, you can have a better relationship, but do you know Jesus? Have you given your life to him? Do you hear his voice? Do you spend time with him regularly? Are you experiencing the things that only he can do? My question for you this morning is, do you know Jesus? Is he literally inside of you? If you don't know that this is the relationship you have, then it's very simple. The Bible says that it is for us to believe and confess, that to trust that Jesus is Jesus and he did all this for us, that he is um, not just dead because he died for my sin, but he is alive. But for in my heart, I confess him as Lord. And, and, and that happens through prayer. That, that, that's, a, that's a beginning moment of that relationship. And you can just simply pray, Lord Jesus, I, I believe that you paid for my sin, but I believe that you are alive and wanting to live in me and lead me and protect me and guard me. And, and God, my sin is great. Forgive me. But God, I ask for your salvation. And just that simple prayer can bring a relationship with an almighty God into your life now at this moment. And if you pray that prayer today, if you're ready to make that decision, please don't leave and not speak it. Please come up. Just share that with me. Share that with somebody that you see that's around serving. So we can talk about what life the breath of God is in us for. What it's going to be like on a regular basis to live for him together. Would you bow your heads at home if you wouldn't mind just as a point of focus together. Man, this, this passage is, is just amazing for what it shows us and teaches us and helps us to see so many things. And I, I think for, for you or for me, I mean, really almost endlessly any of them could really connect well in your heart and mind. And I pray that God's word has been clear and something from this has really landed in your soul. I mean, not just... Yep, I agree with it, but man, that sounded like God woke me up this morning to hear that because I needed it from Him and His Word. If you would like to pray with someone over need in your life, we'll be available during this song. And we're here to live this life together. We'll launch out as individuals, but we come together for the hope and encouragement and the building up that we all need. God, thank you so much for your grace. Thank you for this time that we have to pray, to seek you, Lord. As we sing now, God, help us to not just hear, but God, to really understand that there are many things in life that want to shake us and take our attention, but Lord, it is, it is you that we need to hear from. So God, thank you for this vision that you gave Ezekiel. Thank you, God, that you called him to push beyond what would satisfy him in the moment that looked like improvement, looked like organization. God, to go into the life-giving message that, Lord, your breath, your spirit is for us. And in salvation, Lord, you give us Jesus to live in us as the voice that guides us, as the as the heart that calls us to live a way that others would see him. And Lord, that in itself is victory. God, help us to not define 
what our victory is without hearing you first and seeing what victory in Jesus really looks like. God, for all the circumstances in our life, all the things going on, Lord, we do need your help. But Lord, we also know that in this season, regardless of what this year has been in the past, Lord, we anticipate a closer walk with you now and a more engaged family of believers than we've ever experienced. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen.